You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. What is your favorite thing about your hair? How smooth it is. Where I can just comb it back and then go do whatever. I have really curly hair, which I used to not like at all when I was your age. But now I like that I don't have to do anything to it and it can just kind of do its own thing. And whether you love your hair or just want to shave it all off, we're going to show you today how complex and cool it really is. Keep listening! You're listening to Brain Zone from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-hosts today are Kate and Alex from Plano, Texas. Hi! Hello! And you two recently got a closer look at hair. You wrote into us and told us that you were looking at strands of hair under a microscope. What gave you the idea to check that out? We just got a, a, a new microscope, so we decided to peek at our hair. And what did you see when you looked at the hair? Well, my hair was, um, it had like little black dots all over it. And mine only had one. And my mom's gray hair had a ginormous line through it. Interesting. And you guys both have brown hair, right? Mm -hmm. But it looked different under the microscope. Yeah, much different. And when you put the hair under the microscope, is there anything special you have to do to it first? You Uh have to adjust it, then um, do lighting. And then there's also slides that you have to put it in to make it stay. So you take the hair and put it on a slide, and then you put it under the microscope, and you can see what it looks like really close up. It's really cool. That's awesome. Well, a little later in the show, we're going to talk to a scientist who looks at hair under a very powerful microscope. But first, let's start with the basics. A little hair 101, if you will. Here's a question to get us growing. I mean, going. My name is Iolanta. I'm eight years old. I live in Calgary, Alberta. My question is, what is hair made of and why do humans have hair and not fur like animals do? We'll get to the second half of that question later, but first, what is hair anyway? Is it alive? It grows, but doesn't have nerves the way skin does. You can pinch it without pain. And it's pretty strong stuff, but how is it so bendy? We asked Dr. Shawnee Francis to help untangle these questions. She's a dermatologist and the director of the Hair Center of Excellence, awesome title by the way, at North Shore University Health System in Evanston, Illinois. Hair is basically protein, but it has a very complex structure in how the protein is arranged. It's very organized. So the best way to describe it is like a rope of string that has many smaller ropes that are kind of twisted and braided together. If you take a piece of yarn, okay, and when you, you know how the yarn comes and then you can unravel it and you see little smaller pieces of string. Think about that, but amplify that and maybe take two or three or four 30 30 pieces of string and then coil those together in a rope and that's how the structure of each hair fiber is so basically is pieces of string that have been twisted together and then those twists have been twisted together and then those twists have been twisted together so you have just a big large rope very cool and a lot of protein So each strand of hair is a collection of smaller strands, making the structure strong when it's pulled, but flexible when you bend it. Just like a rope. Here's another question we've gotten a lot. I'm Atticus and I'm seven. My name is Eleanor. How does hair grow? How does hair grow? Hair growth starts with something called a follicle. But wait, what's a follicle? 
Oh, hair follicles are everywhere. So everywhere you see a hair, you have a hair follicle. The hair itself comes out of this hair follicle, which is kind of like a tube or a house tube that it lives in. So follicles are basically tiny sacs in our skin where hair grows. They're lined with special cells that live in this follicle house. Ah, new day. A glorious time to be a cell living in a hair follicle. When they get a signal, they start their work. Yep, time to get cranking. Yep, these hairs aren't going to grow themselves. And these cells rapidly divide. Here we go. Two of me. Oh, hello, more of me. And as they are dividing, the old cells are getting pushed out of the way by the new cells. It's getting crowded in there. Push those older me's out of here. You got it. Move along, other me's. Okay, okay, I'm leaving. As these older cells get pushed up the tube of the follicle, they leave behind all the blood vessels and nutrition keeping them alive. They also get coated with special proteins known as keratin, making them tougher than living cells below. And so it's kind of like an assembly line of hair cells moving up through this tubular house called a hair follicle. That's the reason why we kind of think of hair fibers as dead is because the part that's alive is the part that's dividing. And once it needs more space, it pushes the hair cells kind of up and that comes out as hair. Your hair growth has a few different cycles to it. First, there's the growth stage we just talked about. It's called the antigen stage. During this phase, hair grows about half an inch a month, or six inches a year. The antigen part of the hair cycle lasts usually two to six years in most people, and most of our hairs are under this part of the hair cycle. After the antigen comes the catagen phase. During this period, hair growth stops. It lasts about 10 days. Then the hair starts the final phase known as the telogen stage. This one, the follicle, takes a break from all its work. Phew, what a day. Feels like I've been working for at least six years straight. Totally. I need a nap. And so in the resting phase, the hair is not growing. It's just sitting there. And at the end of the resting phase, which normally lasts two to three months, that hair is pushed out and the cycle starts all over again. It's actually interesting. It's pushed out by new hair that's coming up. day to be a cell living in a follicle. Indeed. Time to get back to work. Hey, what's that old hair doing sitting there? Oh, that was from the last shift, remember? Let's crank out a new hair to push it away. You got it. Time to divide. Here we go again. When old hairs are pushed out by new hairs, you shed. Don't worry, it's totally normal. In fact, most people lose anywhere from 50 to 150 hairs every day. But you've got thousands on your head, so it's hard to notice a difference. Before we start counting all those hairs on our head, we have another challenge for you. It's time for the mystery sound. Mystery sound. Here it is. Any guesses? I think it might be someone maybe tapping on glass or hammering. I think it's a hammer tapping on wood. 
Hmm, Those are both really good guesses. We're going to be back with the answer a little bit later in the show. So far, we've learned how hair grows, but now it's time to get into the why, as posed by Ayalanda earlier. Why do humans have hair and not fur like animals do? And Imogen. My name is Imogen Tree, and I'm six years old, and from Newbury in the UK. My question is, why do we have hair? So to find out, we talked to Sandy Cook. She studies the evolutionary biology of hair at Penn State University. Before she started studying hair, she did forensic analysis of hair for the FBI. For starters, Kate and Alex asked Sandy about the hair that they looked at under the microscope. We saw my hair had a lot of black like dots through it. And mine did not have, it only had like one, and my mom had a black line through it. If you think of a hair like the structurally, it's going to be very similar to a pencil. So how a pencil has the paint covering the wood, covering the lead, a hair has an outer cuticle layer, which is a a very thin, protective uh, layer. And then there's the cortex of the hair, and that's where all the pigment granules are. And then running through the center of the hair is called medulla. And that can be a dark black structure. And it can be completely present like a, a line. It can be broken up and sort of here and there, or it can be absent. And it is a feature that we use when we do a microscopic comparisons. So you are definitely seeing a lot of what we see when we look at, at hairs under the microscope. With humans, we can tell general differences in ancestry. If a hair has been artificially treated, So if it's been dyed or bleached, we can tell. We can tell if there's been any damage to the hair. And there are differences that can be identified between people, but there's also variation within our own hairs. So if you look at yourself in the mirror, you might see some slight variation in color, in length, and just some natural highlights And that's going to also appear microscopically. There's going to be some differences in the distribution of pigment. And there's going to be some, a range of characteristics. Why do humans have hair, not fur? Well, hair and fur are actually made of the same protein called keratin. And they're chemically the same. If you think about animals, we tend to think of our pets, dogs and cats, and they have fur all over their bodies. Well, humans, we have 5 million hair follicles on our bodies, but only about 100 to 150,000 of those are on the top of our head. So we have hair all over our bodies. It's just in a much more reduced form. So if you look at your arms, you can really see very fine hairs. Um, And that, that is, that's sort of our equivalent to fur. I think there's several theories about why humans may have reduced body hair. And that really relates to when our human ancestors started walking upright. Uh, one of the hypotheses or thoughts about why early humans may have n- not needed as much hair protection or fur coat on the whole body was that once they started walking on two feet, they really needed to be able to evaporate more of their body heat through sweating. Uh, but there is still a definite need for protection from the sun's rays on the top of a person's head so that we retained the head hair far more than we did our body hair. Well, thank you so much, Sandy, for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. 
And Kate and Alex, I hope you really enjoyed studying hairs and find out more. Bye-bye. Bye, Sandy. Do you have a question you want to hear on Brains On? Or a mystery sound to share? Or do you want to send us a high five? You can do that at brainson.org slash contact. That's where we got this excellent question. My name is Ian from Seoul, South Korea. My dad has been getting fuzz in his belly button. My question is, where is it coming from, and why don't I have fuzz in my belly button? We'll have an answer to that during our moment of um at the end of the show, and we'll read the most recent names to be added to the Brains Honor Roll. And hey, that sound means we made a mistake. In last week's moment of um, we said blood is blue when it doesn't have oxygen in it, but that's not true. Blood is always red. Red, red, red. It just looks blue in our veins because of the way light is reflected as it goes through our skin. So, there you go. We made a mistake, but we corrected it. You can go listen to the updated answer in last week's episode, Why Are Smartphones So Hard to Put Down? That made us feel sheepish, but we're all about talking feelings these days because we're working on a series all about emotions. And we want to hear from you, our listeners. We want to know what your body feels like when you're happy, or sad, or angry, or nervous. Pick one of those feelings and tell us how it makes your body feel. Send your answers to us at brainson.org slash contact. Thanks, and keep listening. You're listening to Brains On. I'm Alex Harris. And I'm Kate Harris. And I'm Molly Bloom. Today, hair is on our heads and on our minds. And lots of people have written in with questions about hair. So let's get right down to the answers. My name is Wilson, and my question is, why are some hairs different colors? My name is Finn. What determines whether hair is curly or straight? Excellent questions as usual. Let's turn back to Dr. Shani Francis for the answers. Starting with hair color. So pigment is what colors our hair. We have natural pigment in in our hair. It's normally found in the middle of the hair follicle. So remember that shape of that, that rope of ropes. It's buried down in the middle, but sometimes in the darker hair, you can have it in the most outermost layer called the cuticle. The type of pigment in hair is called melanin. And there are two different kinds of melanin. There's eumelanin, which is found in brown and black hair. And even skin is called eumelanin. And then there's pheomelanin, which is found in red hair and blonde hair. And this this pigment is more yellowish red. So your hair color is determined by how much eumelanin or pheomelanin you have in each strand. People with dark black hair have more eumelanin. Light brown hair has less. Redheads have a lot of pheomelanin. Blondes, not as much. What about gray hair? I I like to explain it that the cells that are making the pigment are very close, uh, closely related to that hair follicle. And so they kind of throw in a little pigment on the hair follicle as it's rapidly dividing. 
Adding pigment, always adding pigment, making colors. I love adding pigment. Pigment, pigment, pigment. Those pigment, cells pigment. get tired, like all cells in our body as we age. And when they get tired, they burn out. Adding pigment, always adding pigment. Ugh, you know what? I quit. And when they burn out, they stop producing pigment. And so if there's no pigment coming out of that cell, then there'll be no pigment in the hair follicle and there'll be no pigment in the hair. Okay, so that's color. But what about curls and waves and all the other textures of hair we have? Shani says it mostly comes from the shape of the follicle. You know, the house the hair lives in. And the shape of that hair follicle differs in different people. And so if that hair follicle uh, or that tube that the hair is coming out of is more circular and really, I mean, like a perfect circle, that hair will be straight. If that hair follicle house is oval, then you will see like a, a curly hair coming from there. And the tightest tightest curls, the kinkiest hair is an extreme curly, and that shape of that house is more ellipsoidal, so kind of like a, a, a exaggerated oval. Both your hair color and its texture are influenced by your genetics, or the genes you get from your parents. So you can thank them for whatever's growing on top of your head. The hair on top of our heads has really been the focus so far, but that's not the only hair we have up there. We've got eyebrows, eyelashes, nose hair. All of it serves a purpose. We asked our friend Sandon Totten to break it all down for us. The hair on and in our faces is super important stuff. I mean, it's there for a reason, right? Take Bob, for example. Me again. He's got hair above his eyes, around the lids, hair in his nose and in his ears. I do? Huh. That's a lot of hair. But what if we took some of it away? Like, say we wax off his eyebrows. Ow! That hurt. And let's say we stuck Bob on a treadmill. You know, for science. Oh, man. Running? I shouldn't have eaten that sandwich right before this, huh? Normally, when we sweat or if it rains, that moisture will trickle down our foreheads toward our eyes. Eyebrows help divert those liquids to the side of the face so it doesn't get in our eyes and we can still see. But without eyebrows... Oh, man. So, so much sweat. Ah, ah, my eyes. Oh, it stings. Ow. And while Bob is busy trying to wipe the sweat from his eyes... Ow. Anyone have an extra set of eyebrows I can borrow? Anyone? I hate exercise. Next, let's imagine what would happen if we took away Bob's eyelashes. I barely use those. I doubt I'll notice. Eyelashes also help divert moisture. And when you squint, they shield your eyes from strong light, like the sun, kind of like the brim of a baseball hat. Now that you mention it, it is awfully bright all of a sudden. Oh, and my eyeballs are so dry and itchy, I, I, I can't stop rubbing them. That's because lashes help block small particles and even bugs from getting in your eyes. Scientists have also found that eyelashes help reduce wind flow across the eyeballs. That, too, keeps them clean from dust and prevents them from drying out too much. Oh, my eyes feel like the Sahara Desert. So that's two really important types of hair to help protect your eyes. But what about nose hair? It's not on your face, so it's not diverting sweat or shielding you from sunlight. Yeah, plus it's just gross. Go ahead and get rid of it. Who needs it? 
Nose hair, I don't care. Nose but hair, Bob should care. care. Nose hair, I don't care. Hmm? Even though it's not glamorous, nasal hair is super important. Say we pluck out Bob's nose hair. Pluck? Pinch. Pinch. Ow. Pinch. Ow. Pinch. 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 Now, when he takes a big whiff of air, <laughs> particles of dirt, pollen, and even germs have an easier time getting through his nose and into his body. That's not good for his breathing or his health. Nose hair is kind of like a built-in air filter. Ear hair does something similar. Oh, wait. I have hair in my ears, too? Yes, Bob. We all do. But adults tend to have a lot more of it. It also helps filter dirt and dust. And without the hair in your ear, that fly buzzing around Bob's head might have an easier time getting stuck in his ear canal. Ah, it's loud. Ow. And it, and it tickles. <laughs> this is a very strange sensation. <laughs> so, clearly, the hair in and on our heads is useful stuff. So, let's put Bob back the way he was. Whew. Oh, let's see. I have my eyebrows, thank goodness, and my eyelashes. I'm so glad to see those. Ear hair, check. Nose hair. Ugh. I... I think you gave me too much nose hair. Sorry, Bob. That's the way we found you. Ugh. I should really trim these. It's like a forest in here. Why didn't anyone tell me? So be thankful for the hair you've got. It's pretty neat stuff. And, Bob, while you're at it, you might want to take a look at your ear hair, too. Okay, back to you, Molly, Kate, and Alex. Thanks, Sandin. brains on. I know waiting has made your hair stand on end, so let's get back to the mystery sound. Let's hear it again. Any other guesses? I still think maybe it's a hammer banging on a coffee table. So what do you guys think that might have to do with hair? I'm not sure. Neither am I. Well, here with the answer is Shane Price. That was the sound of the hairboard. <laughs> we have no name for it right now. Um, so that's like the best thing that that's what we kind of refer to it as here in the office. The hairboard, the hair fiber board, something like that. Yeah. What's the hairboard? What do you think it might be? Um, maybe a board that you keep hair on? Maybe you study on it. Very good guess. Well, let's let's have Shane tell us what it is. It's sort of a, a grayish brown. It actually looks a little bit like marble. Uh, it's got a marbled appearance to it. Um, it's made up of hair fiber, but it's all compressed into a board. So when you look at it, it looks like some sort of tile or a board-like material. Shane runs a company called Green Circle Salons. He works with hair salons all over Canada and the U.S. to recycle products that come out of those shops. There's lots of plastic and glass and aluminum foil, and there's also lots of hair. So how do you turn hair into a board? We work with an engineer in Montreal. He's created a metal frame, so it's in the shape of the board that we'd like. Um, and he'll lie the hair down in, in this frame, and he adds resin to the hair and then uses a compression machine to force it down and to, to compress it. The hair fibers are sort of all overlapping and mixed together, and the resin kind of fills in the space where there's air, and then during the compression, you're squeezing out all of the air, so you just have hair and resin. 
and over time that will harden into a sheet or a board of hair. Shane hopes that his hairboards will be used as furniture and shelving in some of the very same salons that sent him the hair to begin with. That is really, really cool. Yeah, and that actually is not the first time that they've used recycled hair. How else do you think they could reuse hair? For wigs? Dolls? You know, they actually use it in a, in a very unexpected way. They take hair and stuff it into old nylon stockings to make something that's called a hair boom. And Shane helps manufacture these hair booms to help clean up oil spills. This was sort of discovered uh, back when the Exxon Valdez oil spill happened in Alaska. It's not only the worst oil spill in U.S. history, it's by far the largest in such a remote, pristine area. The tanker, the Exxon Valdez, had just loaded more than a million barrels of Alaskan crude. It was about 25 miles from the Valdez Terminal and was apparently trying to dodge ice flows from the nearby Columbia Glacier when it ran aground. The one gentleman that happened to be a hairstylist from Huntsville, Alabama, um, was watching the news and noticed that the otter's hair was actually picking up the oil that was on the water. Um, and so he sort of had an idea. Well, he wondered if, if he was to take human hair from his salon, if it would do the same thing and he quickly discovered that um, that it would and in fact it's a it's a great absorbance of, of oil that wow. is really cool i never knew that yeah i never even knew about the alaskan tr- crash yeah that happened in 1989 and shane says that every 500 grams of hair which is a little over a pound that pound of hair can soak up about one liter of oil and that's about a quart or the size of a large milk carton and hair booms can be reused about a hundred times Hair is both useful on our head and when it's not. Hair is basically a robe of protein. The color comes from cells in your follicles, and the shape of those follicles make your hair curly or straight. All of that is ultimately determined by your genes. There are thousands of hairs on your head that are constantly in the cycle of growing and falling out. And our hair isn't just there to look pretty. Looks are a part of it, but they're also there to protect us and regulate our body temperature. That's it for this episode of Brains On. This episode was produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Molly Bloom. With production help from Christina Martinez, Craig Johnson, Alan Roberts, and Jackie Sojiko. Many thanks to Melissa and Ryan Harris, Eric Ringham, Meg Martin, Peter Cox, Lauren Plough, Nicole Rogers, and Daniela Kroshinsky. And you can keep up with us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at brains underscore on. And we're on Facebook, too. Now, before we go, it's time for our moment of um... Hi, my name is Ian from Seoul, South Korea. My dad has been getting fuzz in his belly button. My question is, where is it coming from, and why don't I have fuzz in my belly button? Thank you for answering my question. That is such a great question. I think that, you know, maybe kids are just much more well taken care of than parents are sometimes in terms of kids usually have a parent washing them and maybe no one's washing the dad. (laughs) My name is Dr. Jared Jagdeo and I am a skin doctor. Belly button fuzz is made out of dead skin cells that kind of slough off, lint or cotton or whatever other fabric from our clothing and our environment and combined with sweat and other 
bodily secretions that really kind of get in there. So a little bit of moisture, a little bit of skin, and a little bit of stuff from your clothing. Dad's belly buttons may sometimes be a little bit deeper than the belly buttons that children have. Children have very shallow belly buttons, so not much builds up there. The deeper the belly button, the more likely the fuzz be in there. Hair can play a role in the accumulation of belly button fuzz, and dads have also had a much longer time to allow for some natural fibers from clothing to kind of build on up there in that area. Everyone's belly button of fuzz is unique to them because it comprises the different uh, fibers from the clothing that we wear and also our own personal DNA, such as from skin cells and also from other things that maybe we're in contact with. This list makes my heart warm and fuzzy. It's time for the Brain's Honor Roll. These are the delightful humans who keep us going by sending us their ideas, questions, and mystery sounds. We love them. Emma, Isaac, Jeremiah, and Silas from Oak Bank, Manitoba, Lily from Zambia, Lillian and Bennett from Richfield, Minnesota, Tiana from Dallas, Zephyr from Lake Worth, Florida, Caleb from Anacortes, Washington, Kennedy, Maddox, and Coven from Manhattan Beach, California, Jade from Sydney, Australia, Ishia from Herndon, Virginia, Tobias from Leamington, Ontario, Calder from Denver, Hugo and Emerson from Columbia, South Carolina, Daniel and Emma from Thousand Oaks, California, Theron from Chicago, Joanna from Mount Horeb, Wisconsin, Juniper from San Diego, Zorro from Brooklyn, New York, Jack from North Yarmouth, Maine, Peter and Timothy from Garland, Texas, Odin from Katy, Texas, Paul from Woodbury, New Jersey, Aurora and Arlo from Wellington, New Zealand, Gabriel from Melbourne, Australia, Aaliyah from Clemson, South Carolina, Charlie from Crystal, Minnesota, Henry from Binghamton, New York, Patrick from Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts, Avraham and Yako from LA, Evan from Foster City, California, Petrus from Johannesburg, South Africa, Meredith from Catawba, Virginia, Tim from Gillette, New Jersey, Nick and Alex from Portland, Oregon, Eli from Lyons, Colorado, Madeline from Canberra, Australia, Aiden from Melbourne, Australia, Benny from Montreal, Tristan and Thomas from Alexandria, Virginia, Aiden from Webster, New York, Nuri and Josh from Barcelona, Christian from Villanova, Pennsylvania, Jana from Equatorial Guinea, Ryan and Carson from Atlanta, Harry from Philadelphia, Ruby Rose from Roswell, Georgia, Simone from Washougal, Washington, Aiden from Mobile, Alabama, Isabella from Plainview, New York, Delilah and Dexter from Ottawa, Lisa from Phnom Penh, Cambodia, Toby and Nathan from Mount Waverly, Australia, Sadie from Glasgow, Scotland, Greta from Kingston, New York, and Vinoid from Cyprus. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.